I, anyway, I the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know if I'm gonna use that stinger. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that's that's yeah that 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 could that could stay in. Anyway, hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club episode 28. Okay, yeah. <laughs> my name is Mark Champlin, and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace. We were having a conversation. <laughs> we were having us. an interesting <laughs> pre-show conversation. What's up, girls and gays? Uh, I, you know, it was nice. It was it was nice for once for this podcast. Every once in a while, it's nice to, you know, not have to see anyone get shot in the face or to, to see a scene where someone repeatedly punches someone in the mouth. Or like, mm-hmm. a, or like to have to see like a, a a woman's dead body within like the first five minutes of a movie, you know it, it's it's nice every once in a while on this podcast uh, on a Sunday morning <laughs> uh, to to instead just watch a motherfucking Pokemon movie uh, and 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 then also discover that I think that Pokemon movie is kind of like weirdly anti-capitalist. And also has like weird gender politics. I don't know I'm, if they're I'm ready bad to... gender politics, <laughs> but they're weird. I'm ready to be sold um, on the idea that that this movie has politics. And obviously, <laughs> as 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 we as we do, we're 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 reading into it because that's the because content. It's what we do. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'll, I'll, that's I'll what we do. <laughs> You'll, you'll find, I, I kind of find there's two types of movies on this podcast, and it's just like you were saying, it's nice to watch, like, a nice Pokemon movie where nobody gets, like, shot in the face or or no women are beaten or murdered, uh, or, uh, and that's because this movie, this podcast has two types of movies, movies that are made for children and movies that are made for man-children, <laughs> uh, because that's video games. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to be I want to be upfront about the uh, the fact that I, I am going to be attempting to make an anti-capitalist reading an anti an anti-imperialist reading of Pokemon the movie two thousand. Um, I'm gonna say tongue halfway planted in cheek on this. I obviously because the thing about it is right, like Pokemon is absolutely a hundred percent a symbol of capitalism, right? You know, it is it is one of the most profitable media franchises of all time, right? And so, naturally, like, nothing about Pokemon can really truly be anti-imperialist or anti-capitalist because it it is a fundamentally capitalist uh, product. That said, mm-hmm. I think the pieces are there, and I think it's interesting that the pieces are there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is gonna be kind of like in uh in the last jedi how they kind of made a statement about star wars and they said and it was cool but i knew it would only last one movie how they said (laughs) we gotta burn this shit down and start all over everything is new fuck the past and then (laughs) they just made a trailer for the new one and it's called like the rise of skywalker colon everything's the same again don't worry nerds (laughs) you know it's it's one of those things where you know you can't you can't deviate from the formula too much because it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about uh, Pokemon Call of the Movie 2000, Mark. Um, well, we mentioned it last week, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people missed last week, as yeah. in two days ago's episode, <laughs> uh, that it was released in Japan in 1999 and released in the U.S. in 2001, which is 
uh, endlessly hilarious to me that this movie is called Pokemon colon the movie 2000 and did not come out in 2000 in either of the major regions where it would go on to make money. <laughs> it's so fucking uh, <laughs> typical of like turn of the millennium type shit to put the number 2000 in the fucking title. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, did they call Toy Story 2 Toy Story 2000? <laughs> they should have. <laughs> They should have, yeah, because um, we could have been laughing about it now. <laughs> that would have been pretty great. Yeah, yeah. it's. I mean, th- th- this was the decade of putting the thing in the thing the title. This was yeah. the this was the N sixty four days. You know? Yeah, that's true. Everything had a sixty four. <laughs> yeah, um, there, there was a lot of stuff with two thousands. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so we're. Uh, if you haven't listened, we did another episode about Pokemon, uh, the first movie: colon Mewtwo Strikes Back. Uh, if you haven't listened to that one, you should probably go listen to it. I think that's a pretty good episode. Um, like that episode, I'm going to broadly assume that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably the type of person that has seen Pokemon colon the movie 2000 like at least 497 times. Um, but I'm going to briefly go over the plot because I noticed that I didn't have quite the same like beat for beat cadence for cadence memory of this movie as I do for the first one. Uh, but a lot of it still does really stick in my head. But yeah, basically, you know, Ash and Misty and some dude who isn't Brock and has a sketch pad. Uh, you know, they're on an adventure in the Orange Islands. They visit an island where they're performing this, you know, ancient annual ritual. And every year they have a chosen one. And this year Ash is the chosen one. And usually the ritual is just kind of for funsies, you know. Uh, but 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 this year... There's this rich asshole with his big, stupid steampunk airship, and he's stealing the legendary birds from from the islands where they live, uh, and it's causing an environmental catastrophe. And so now the prophecy about uh, the Chosen One is, like, actually for reals this time, uh, and they have to go save the Earth and stuff by collecting three MacGuffins from each island and trying not to get killed by giant birds. So how'd you feel about this one, Mark? Uh, I'm... You know, I I was I came into this episode thinking, man, this the plot's kind of kind of whack, and I feel like she's gonna have trouble summarizing it. But you actually <laughs> did perfectly okay, and I'm impressed and and shocked. Uh, I saw this movie in the theaters uh, when I was I would have been eight years old. I remembered none of it except for it's the one what got the legendary birds in it. Um, I'm a big fan of Articuno. Shout out to Articuno gang. Um, <laughs> Team and, Blue in Pokemon Go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was that the one? Yeah, yeah, right. or fucking that's die, right. bro. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Remember that shit? That was oh, my man. favorite thing about Pokemon Go. I didn't actually play it. It was just something my friends yeah. all played because I didn't know the smartphone. And I just really liked the gang turf war aspect of Pokemon God, Go. God, it was so good. I still see the bumper stickers to this day. Like, yeah. fucking Team Mystic for life. <laughs> Fuck all y'all. I'm blood Valor. in and blood out, motherfucker. Blood, blood, blood in the streets. If I, if I see Valors try to step to me. <laughs> um, This movie was fine. <laughs> yeah, you, was... were saying, you were saying before the podcast you thought it was yeah. kind of boring. I did really kind of find this movie to be boring. It, it didn't. It was a little bit longer than the first one. I'm gonna be comparing it to the first one. I feel like um, I I like that the first one had a really clear and obvious type of message, and I like that I didn't have to like read into it to see <laughs> the message that they were trying to convey. Albeit the message is bullshit in the first one, and yeah. it flies directly in the face of what pokemon is as a concept <laughs> at least but they tried still, to do something they, they they were trying to do something and i, I find myself halfway through this movie just thinking like is it what is this and i know it's a stupid thing to be thinking for a pokemon movie but i was like what is this 
film trying to say? What's the ideology <laughs> of Pokemon the Movie what? 2000? I just couldn't. I couldn't find a lot of substance there. Um, so when I when I pulled up to my computer and read the notes and saw that you were ready to um, to talk about anti-capitalism, <laughs> I was ready to be swayed. And I think that just just a little bit more thought put to the idea that um, that the the villain is a rich you know capitalist with tons of resources and he's causing an environmental disaster through negligence was your wording is that actually does that doesn't say nothing yeah right um <laughs> yeah. so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna make my case for this later but like kind of yeah just broad thoughts it's kind of a weird movie and i think the weirdest yeah. thing about it is that there aren't any pokemon fights in it like this there's true there are zero okay like zapdos and Voltres and articuno fly around and shoot lasers at each other and, and there's that shit. But there is not a single moment in this entire film where two people who are Pokemon trainers partake in, in a battle with their Pokemon. It, that never happens in the movie. And I I kind of think that that's okay. I kind of think it's, it's cool and interesting to be like, well, you can tell an interesting story in this world without doing the obvious Pokemon thing. I don't think it needs to have Pokemon fights in it. But it's weird because you would think that an executive would watch this movie and be like, yeah, cool, big birds love it. Uh, but the, the, the Pokemon, they don't fight each other. That's like the thing. That's what we sell the video games. Uh, you gotta put Pokemon fights in it, you know. Like in the in the first in the first movie, they the opening sequence uh, starts with like you know a Pokemon fight between Ash and some random motherfucker, just to kind of like establish the world a little bit, you know. And there that doesn't happen at all in this, and that was kind of weird. Also, side note, I only cried once this time, so that was pretty good. <laughs> when we watched Pokemon the first movie, I think I cried like four or five times. Uh, estrogen is really wild. Um, <laughs> that, that's what they say. Yeah. Did, did, yeah. You, did you cry at the, the, the totally unearned, uh, moment at the end with his mother? No, no. Actually, like, I literally cried in, like, the first five minutes when they're just, like, on the boat and it started playing the theme song and I was just like, God damn it, I'm watching fucking Pokemon again. I'm an yeah. adult with anxiety and I'm sad now and it's weird to go back to this <laughs> thing. For Dude, like, I remember, like, I remember, like, being a literal like seven-year-old or whatever and like me and my sister are watching this movie together and and pausing the movie and trying to draw the pokemon like that's the level of like you know we're like that that's the level that nintendo lives rent free in my brain you know yes um yep. mm -hmm. so so before we get to the um before we get to the anti-capitalism stuff, I want to I want to touch on uh, the weirdness around the Ash and Misty relationship in this movie because I think it's yeah. it it's it's a central part of the the like themes I guess it it, it is a central like kind of tenet of the film is that it seems like they're kind of trying to focus on Ash and Misty's relationship except Ash and Misty don't really interact with each other that much in this okay. There's a girl named Melody in the movie. She uh, she plays this really badass ocarina made out of a shell. And she's like, you know, part of the ritual is she has to play this dope song on this little ocarina. Um, and, she's, and, and she's kind of a brat, right? And she uh, is kind of teasing Misty constantly throughout the movie, implying that her and Ash are a couple and like talking about how they're going to get married and like making fun of her and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and like the entire time, like yeah, nonstop. That's, she is. That's like kind of her whole. That that those are the main interactions between these two characters. Yeah, um, which was I, a little disappointing for me because when this character was introduced, she was wearing like high waisted pants. Yeah, and, like, she was cool. cool. Circle sunglasses. <laughs> She's serving up like 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 tomboy femme uh, <laughs> lesbian vibes and yeah. obviously that's not yeah the case. I, but i don't know I, like i'm i'm okay I'm, I'm okay with it because kids do this to each other right and so like I, i'm kind of okay with this being used as a plot point like i don't think it's bad that it's in there but the problem is that like it it doesn't seem like this movie is actually willing to say whether or not it thinks that ash and missy's relationship is romantic or platonic Mm-hmm. Like there's the there's a moment in the end where like her and Melody are talking and Ash is in some big trouble because he's gonna die in the ocean for you know whatever reason, um and she and Misty says like Ash is never alone because he she he's got me, is what she says and it's like this dramatic moment and then they shake hands and they go do hero stuff, um and they never really establish that much about their relationship to one another in this movie and. I feel like it would have been really nice if sort of the culmination of this like subplot about this girl kind of teasing Misty about this was like her and Ash having a conversation and just being like, no, we really are just friends and I value you as a friend mm-hmm. and that's all and that's good and okay. And I feel like they could do that because like Ash and Misty shouldn't be together because they kind of hate each other <laughs> and it's toxic. Yeah, and I hate that the trope of like... Uh... They, they hate each other, they they bug the shit out of each other, but you know, at the end of the day, they just really need each other, because that's not how life works, and it's really, like, annoying when movies try to act like that's how life works, because that's how, like, women in real life get caught into, like, shitty relationships with men yeah. that bug the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, no, so so we kind of, you kind of touched on on the reason why I found these this movie so boring. It wasn't really the action, it was just the fact that there was no character like arcs with kind of anyone. Uh, yeah, I feel like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just didn't see it. Uh, I think I think enough. you're pretty right about that. Yeah, there was no, I... there was nothing holding me there. Like I feel like with Ash and Pikachu and kind of Team Rocket on the last movie, there was a little more like there was a little more going on. Like I feel like with this, this movie really expected you to have been watching the show. Yeah, around the, the time, first movie for sure. stands the first movie stands alone a little bit better. So I I didn't give a shit about not Brock and I didn't give a shit about uh, Misty and Ash's relationship. Yeah. Not Brock has like three or four lines too. Yeah, he basically is not there. Yeah, he's he's barely he, present. And like yeah, and like it, it's it's weird because it feels like there's that Ash and Misty's relationship is going to sort of be like a core tenet of the film, but like they really don't interact that much. No, they talk about it but they don't show it. Yeah, most of the movie is just, like, characters running around to various islands and getting attacked by large birds. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I still had fun with it. Um, I think the, I do think the most disappointing thing about it is the fact that, like, there's not enough cool Pokemon shit in it. You know, there's not, a, like, one of the climactic moments of, like, them getting across to, like, get to the last MacGuffin is just, like, Ash and Pikachu and Team Rocket in, like, a speedboat. Instead of, like, Ash and Pikachu and Team Rocket do a cool thing with their Pokemon in order to save the day. Like, there's not, there's not enough of that. But that said, I, damn, I love the villain in this movie. Damn, I love to read anti-imperialist themes into the villain in this movie. 
He's got some good hair. He really does have some good hair. So so this is a guy who, according to the subtitles, is called Lawrence the Third. Uh, he's a villain. Okay. Why? Do you need any more evidence that he's anti-capitalist, that, that his name is Lawrence the <laughs> Third? Like, cl- clearly he's a capitalist and the movie wants you to hate him. Yeah, I, okay. So, so here's the question I'm going to pose, right? Why, why is Lawrence the Third a villain? What makes him the bad guy? The thing that makes him the bad guy is that he has more resources. He has access to more technology for capturing Pokemon like Moltres, Articuno, and Zapdos. And it's it, the other characters sort of seem to see this as like, it's it's not sporting that he does it like this. You know, he uses these like big electric rings that like kind of fuck the Pokemon up. Um, and you know, at, you, a fucking peasant, who doesn't have a fucking airship, uh, could not catch Zapdos because you don't have access to these kinds of resources, right? He's also... Yeah, plus, an, you don't have any Ultra Balls. Right, you yeah. Great Balls, and there's just no chance. <laughs> um, he's also an imperialist, right? He he doesn't... You know, the, so they have this prophecy that says, you know, if, if, if the fire, ice, and uh, electricity islands are thrown out of balance because the birds are removed or disrupted in some way, then the world will, uh, you know, be destroyed in this environmental catastrophe. And he's just like, nah, that's bullshit. You know, that's, 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 you know, hodgepodge, essentially. He's just gonna go in there, bomb a bunch of islands, take all of their shit, uh, and put it in his museum, right? And he's causing this environmental catastrophe. And then the other thing about it, and this is the thing that I think is the weirdest fucking shit in the world, and I can't believe they put it in this movie, uh, and I don't know what they were trying to say with this, but here's how I'm reading it. He's got this big airship, right, with this big open space inside of it. And frequently, you see the ceiling of his, the inside of his ship. And it's like the Sistine Chapel. And when I say it's like the Sistine Chapel, I mean it's like painted. And it's not like... It's not like there's a bunch of Pokemon up there, right? It's a bunch of angels. Like, there's like cherubs and like angels and like Christian imagery... And he's frequently, like, framed with, like, the angels around him and stuff. So my suggestion for a way to interpret this movie is that the villain is essentially a Christian imperialist who doesn't respect this native culture or their traditions or their religion or their actual better knowledge of the way that their way of life and the area around them functions, uh, comes in, takes their shit, puts it in a museum so that he can display it for himself to look at and be like, oh, wow, these primitive people, look at these artifacts that they used to have that are mine now. Comes in, bombs their shit, takes all their stuff, destroys their monuments, destroys their artifacts, because he does not respect their religion, because he is a Christian and he doesn't worship Pokemon. Hmm. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't fight that. (laughs) It's... I mean, he's certainly you, the the thing about him is that he doesn't play by the rules of the Pokemon world, right? He doesn't yeah. capture Pokemon with Pokeballs. He captures them using expensive contraptions that are specifically designed to like cage and like and 
Electric. display things yeah yeah and that's that's the thing is like I, I feel like he's the only that's what makes him abhorrent uh to them is that he's not playing by the rules uh of the world and um i don't know if that necessarily plays into the religious thing um but <laughs> now that you're weird. mentioning it, it is it is weird it's and i think that's kind of cool um when you think about it but the the you know when you do mention the sistine chapel thing like i did see it and i guess I guess I I didn't register the fact that they were really framing him <laughs> intentionally like this this was intentional like what it's trying to say is confusing but yeah whether it, or not they, they intended it to be there is there's there's, there's no ambiguity there you don't yeah like the angels the angels on the ceiling aren't just there by accident somebody was trying to say something presumably it's just it's very it's very very strange and then it's it's yeah, really these these islands do have like a native culture. Kind of the whole yeah. movie is the fact that these people on these islands, um, through, and this this is a through line throughout history as well. Like through like ritual practice and like what you would call in the West mysticism, like natives uh, of certain places have a deeper understanding of their environment than the fucking white Christian imperialists who come yeah. in and they try to science their way into things that you know, people already understood through, you know, ritual practice uh, years ago, but they just didn't call it penicillin or whatever. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, like this and, and, is a, that is a real thing. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, I think the most disappointing thing about this movie besides the lack of cool Pokemon shit is the fact that like, he's never really confronted at the end. Like his ship gets blown up by the birds and then Ash goes and gets all the MacGuffins and saves the world. Um, and and then this dude is just left stranded on an island with a big ship, and he has his ancient Mew card, which you you know got with your copy of Pokemon the first movie, and he's like, yeah, he has his right, happy I'll have meal to toy start it. over my collection. Like, there's no scene where Ash, you know, confronts him and is like, "Hey, you're an asshole because of these reasons." Actually, the closest thing to a moment like that in this movie, and this is also really funny, is that there's you know there's a scene where like they get pulled up into the ship, and Misty is listening to this dude talk. And thinks he's full of shit. And she says something like, you know, you you're, you treat Pokemon like they're just something to collect, like dolls or stamps. I thought that was so funny. Which is super that. funny, because the entire point of Pokemon <laughs> is that you collect them like dolls and stamps. And, What's uh, the tagline for... The tagline for Pokemon is, gotta catch them all. Yeah. They sold two different copies with unique unique pokemon on each cartridge because yeah. so you would have to trade them like cards <laughs> that you collect yeah it's 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 part of the thing we talked about this at like the in the previous episode about pokemon so i'm gonna just briefly touch on it but it really is just like the way that like because pokemon is like if you think about it for more than five seconds is immediately terrible like it it it, it can't ever actually interrogate itself in any way no and unless you're doing a nuzlocke run like you really are not going to develop emotional connections with your pokemon <laughs> maybe other people will um, not me. I give them <laughs> stupid names, and then I very much become emotionally <laughs> attached. If if I'm doing a Nuzlocke run, I theme the type of names that I give them, <laughs> and I'll never forget my Jolteon named Jimi Hendrix, uh, who died in uh, on who died on Mount Moon. No, what's the second cave before Lavender Town? Anyway, he died Rock there. And I'm still yeah. sad. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, right. I don't know. I, you, yeah. they, it's, it's, <laughs> let's talk about, this... okay, okay, okay. There's, there's, there's one more, there's one more scene that, that I want to talk about before we get this, out of here. This um, moment it, it jumped is... out at me, jumped the fuck this... out at me. Yeah, I paused. I paused the movie when this happened, and I, I and it, it it's literally like three or four lines of dialogue, but it is so. I don't even. Okay, I'm just gonna. I'm just. I'm just gonna play it here. Just listen. Well, I hope you're happy, Mr. Hero. If you just listened to me in the first place and stayed at the party like I told you to, we wouldn't be stranded out here on this island. Welcome to my world. I have to deal with a stubborn attitude every single day. Oh, you'll get used to it. It's just something you're gonna need to work on when the two of you get married. Take that back! Listen to me, kid. When you get involved with the opposite sex, you're only asking for trouble. Yes, and that's the kind of trouble I stay out of. You two don't need the opposite sex because you got each other. What does that mean? <laughs> Not funny. Okay, so I have, I have, I have two questions that I wanna that I wanna try to address with this exchange. Yeah. The first is. What do you think this was supposed to mean? What do you think in mm -hmm. in in the year 1999 <laughs> written probably by straight people? What do you think this exchange what do you think the joke is? Cuz cuz it could only be like one of two things, right? Yeah. Like either he like doesn't want to get involved in relationships cuz girls are icky. Or he is gay. Like, those are the... Or he is queer. And it's... Yeah. It's but, so weird that this is in it. And it's so funny because, like... No, yeah, you go ahead. Because I think this this will lead into the second yeah. question as well. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's weird because... the Okay, what James says, the yes, and that's the kind of trouble I say, Adam. For, okay, so... I'm, a put, I'm putting... This is... First, this is me putting on my 2000s era straight person goggles here first line jesse says listen to me kid when you get involved with the opposite sex you're only asking for trouble okay that one's pretty easy that's uh, a, a woman who has been scorned by men and is just like fuck it i don't deal with them anymore pretty standard heterosexual concept can wrap my head around that okay then james says yes and that's the kind of trouble i stay out of and he kind of, like, pauses a little bit in there. Like, he's saying something kind of, like, risque. And I kind of feel like they're implying that he's gay with that line. And then Meowth says, and this is where I start to get a little bit lost. Right? Because Meowth says, you two don't need the opposite sex because you got each other. And this is where it comes into, how do you interpret this now as a queer person in 2019? And I think a little bit of context is necessary here. Like, Jesse and James are shown cross-dressing a lot. And I, I don't really like using the word cross-dressing, um, but that's how you would describe it, you know, in that era. So they're shown, you know, when they put on disguises, James is frequently wearing women's clothing, Jesse is frequently wearing men's clothing. And it it almost I didn't have that context. And yeah, you you saying this to me is kind of changing things around a little bit. Yeah, I, I it almost feel and and this is my 2019 goggles on. It almost feels like Jesse and James are a gender nonconforming couple 
and Meowth is being kind of transphobic about it. Because Jesse responds with, what does that mean? And James says, not funny. That it's, it's the thing about it is like, like, sure, it's a reach, but also like, you know, I, this is such a confusing line that like, it's just as believable as anything else, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm not saying that I think that they were like, oh, well, Jesse and James are a gender non-conforming quick What I'm saying is that I... <laughs> right, but... I, that's the only interpretation of it that, like, works for me or makes any sense. Because, like, if... Because the other thing is, like... Because I think the, the, the 2000 goggles read is Meowth is saying, like, one of you is not a man or one of you is not a woman. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, yeah, That that's kind of the thing. So my, my question is, and I posed this before we started, uh, do we think that James is intentionally coded as queer in this show? Absolutely. Because, I mean, I think... Right? I, I think it's without a... T- there's just no way. I was watching this movie with Amanda... And uh, the Team Rocket showed up, and she was like, oh, what the fuck? Because she hasn't watched Pokemon. I'm like, yeah, oh, so that guy, yeah, he's definitely queer. And then, like, we, like, saw this the way that he acts, and he always is, like, just very, like, comfortable with, like, gender fuckery. And yeah. very, like, he's always, like, like he always has, like, that rose. That's, that's pretty gay. Yeah. You know, it's, not it's... to, like, not to, not to, um, to, what's the word? stereotype well but yeah here's the thing right there there, there is a there is a there is a very long history in pretty much every form of media of especially cartoons right especially yeah but but of queer coding villains yes right of of Mm -hmm. showing like oh this this person is bad and this is why all of the gays love all of the villains right because yes there is a constant of i remember god like the the some i've heard some criticisms of the hunger games around this right Mm -hmm. in that in the hunger games all of the uh you know rich capitalists in the hunger games uh all of the all of the men it's like oh they're villains and they're villains and they're very feminine men and they wear makeup and they and they're sort of flamboyant and they and they're you know sort of deliberately othered by being coded as queer people and they kind of do that with team rocket which is why gay people like team rocket so much um yeah. Did, did you watch Yu-Gi-Oh? Quick aside, because I believe it's the same voice actor in the English versions. The the villain in Yu-Gi-Oh, Pegasus. Oh, yeah. 100%. The, ex- the exact same voice. I think it's the same voice actor uh, as James. And the same mannerisms, same everything, uh, clearly is being queer-coded. And then they throw in that he like had a female fiancé and yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, hey, look, a lot of... A lot of- a lot of queer men have had fiancés. You would know you about don't, that. You don't say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, the, I, I feel... It, it sucks because I feel like I don't really have a clear idea of where I land on what they're trying to do with this interaction. But, like, it... They're clearly implying a lot of gender fuckery with Jesse and Jay. I mean, not even implying that it's in the text. That's what happens in the TV show. You know, they wear mm-hmm. gender nonconforming clothes. It's what they do. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't know how to interpret this scene through any other lens besides my 2019 clear 
like Queerlands. I don't know what they're trying to say in 2000. So here was my here was my initial read of it. I, the first two lines clearly say, "Oh, James is making a joke about the fact that he's gay," and then the rest of it was, "Oh, they're trying to make sure that the Christian moms in the audience don't think that that's." actually what's happening because yeah they're making because they, they're trying to oh no don't worry don't worry they're straight they they're like they have like a love hate couple thing going on and then they'll <laughs> deny it because that's because that's the joke i'm wondering if this is like a translation thing i'm yeah. maybe this was explicitly queer in the original text i don't know um but that's just a theory I'll, i'd throw that out there that was my first thought was oh i bet this was gayer in the original but Americans couldn't handle it. <laughs> it's just the the inclusion of the you, you two don't need the opposite sex. I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. I, I'm not going to research it. <laughs> I, I simply don't care enough to find out. What are we watching next week, Mark? Well, next week we are watching Resident Evil Apocalypse from 2004, and uh, we haven't checked the data, but there's a good chance that the last time we did a Pokemon movie, we <laughs> jumped right to a Resident Evil movie. If that's the case, that's pretty sick um, <laughs> that, that my brain just did that without even knowing. Uh, so that's going to be cool. It's the second Resident Evil movie of six. Uh, <sighs> we successfully avoided me my plan of doing all six of them in a row, which Thanks I thought would be really fucking- funny. God, we didn't do that, dude. Oh, that would have ended the podcast. Like, we would have been too tired after three of them. Yeah, like, if, if you haven't listened to the first Resident Evil episode, uh, that movie fucking sucks, bro. I hope this one doesn't it's suck bad. as much. This one's uh, got a my different memory, director. Yeah, my memory's been kind of charitable to that movie, honestly. I, I, I'm ready to go get back into that universe and, and be disappointed again. <laughs> You know, yeah. I think I think it's time. Yeah, uh, we're gonna learn how to pronounce. Uh, I believe it's Mila Jovovich. Yeah, action item for next uh, week: learn how to pronounce the lead actress's name in this movie. Yeah, um, that would be pretty cool uh, to do that. It's very respectful to pronounce people's names correctly. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, yeah, uh, let's where, do some plugs. Yeah, where can <laughs> find the podcast on the forgot, internet, Mark? I forgot that's a thing. That we you forgot say. the format of the podcast briefly. Yeah, everything's, <laughs> everything's falling apart. Um, uh, follow the podcast at Cartridge Cinema. Join the Discord. It's linked on the the Cartridge Cinema Twitter. That's the main place to kind of interact with us on Twitter. Neither of us are really tweeting a whole bunch these days so you know don't worry about it if you want to follow me i'm at mark underscore drizzle i'm thinking of changing it i don't know don't follow me (laughs) trying to get away from the drizzle brand possibly (laughs) not sure yeah yeah um we've got itunes and spotify and soundcloud and the podcast app and i think it'll pop in smoke signal we got your ham radio we got wherever the fuck you try to listen to audio we got them all soundcloud if you're a fucking real one check out our our geocities page (laughs) you know check out our you're the man now dog uh (laughs) compilation video um god that was a that was a deep cut i i don't think any of our i think a lot of our listeners will get that one that's okay you shouldn't uh it means you're young and yeah old um, Who did the music uh, for the should... podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, DJ Tin Man did the music. Shout outs to DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Coffin. Shout outs to uh, oh, fuck. 
we have the Twitters? At Zesty Doodles for Courtney. Uh, at J Tenza for Josh, uh, DJ Tin Man. For me, it was Tuesday. Let's go. <laughs> yes, same. Also. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, this is two okay. two episodes in in two in three days. That'll 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 happen. Thank you.